0: Welcome back to another episode of Office Hours Career Paths for PhDs. My name is Dr. Jasmine Goodman, and I am here to ask all of your burning questions to the PhDs who were brave enough to take the leap outside of academia And pursue the paths and careers of their dreams. So I'm excited to introduce to you Dr. Makita Turner. She is the owner of Essence for Success Consulting. She earned her PhD in educational leadership from Eastern Michigan University. So let me bring her to the stage. Hi, Dr. Turner. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Marianne was so excited to speak with you and just to kind of learn about your journey. So I just want to, like I said, jump right on into the conversation um, and just learn what prompted you to pursue your PhD specifically
1: in educational leadership. Sure. So um, I was working in higher education. So working in higher education, I really uh, saw that in order to have any type of impact or have a seat at the table, have your voice be heard by leadership and things of that sort that you needed to pursue a doctoral degree. Like a, they only wanted to speak with people or listen to people who had these degrees or in order to get into those roles, the leadership roles, you needed to have a uh, some type of PhD, doctoral degree to even be a part of the conversation in general. So that's what prompted me. You know, I said, in order for me to even have some type of impact in that way, I need to do this. So that's what I ended up um, deciding to do. And that's what gave me kind of the spark to, to pursue the degree. Okay.
0: So you're into your doctoral program. What were you thinking you wanted to do with your degree when you first started?
1: Oh, that's okay. So you know, that, changes. that changed, right? <laughs> so when I first started the program, I was thinking I could, I wanted to do like a director type level or um, even maybe a, like an assistant dean or something like that. I know that having a And a dean role, particularly in a research one institution where I was working, you had to have like you were part of faculty. So I knew that wasn't the route. But we did have Mm -hmm. a, a few assistant dean roles that that wasn't the case. So that's what I was thinking, like, okay, either a director of of a department or maybe an assistant dean.
0: Okay. And at what point did that change for you?
1: Okay, so I'm pausing like, okay, I'm trying to like, oh, that changed. Actually, I want to say around the time when I finished where, you know, I was done and you're thinking like, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start applying for jobs and, you know, doing all the things as, as it relates to this. This wonderful, beautiful, you know, doctoral degree. And, and it just, I didn't have that like feeling of I need to do this. Like this is mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. Because what I saw was does that impact my actual, you know, time? Um, I I had, you know, my family, like I had young kids when mm. I was going through marry young children. I wanted to be a part of their lives. And I saw and noticed that directors or assistant deans their life was not their life wow. they it was ran by the department or ran by the the dean of the college so you had to be available when they wanted you to be available so mm-hmm. that's something that i t- started to reconsider that you know family was a lot more important to me and i can possibly do something different in order to still have my impact in the world in the higher education um, realm
0: once you had that revelation, what was your journey to find that that next career move?
1: So the journey was a lot of soul seeking, <laughs> a lot of figuring out, okay, so you want to make money, right? Because that's another thing, like, you know, these roles did come with an income that was, you know, some was important to myself and my family as well. But how are you able to still do the work and be excited about the work and also have the income that you were looking for Mm -hmm. that I really, to be honest, that I expected with a, with a PhD, I'm like, I expect, and I make a little bit of change. Right. So that's something that I was really thinking about and interested um, in trying to figure out. So it was a journey of me going through and deciding, well, what is next? What are some of the things that you like to do? So I actually, Um, worked with a coach. I worked with an executive coach to kind of have these conversations. And um, what my executive coach and I kind of came up with, or what she kind of coached me through was, all right, Makita, these are the things that you actually like doing. Like, I really do enjoy working with people and helping them grow personally and professionally. So she said, why don't you become a, a life coach, like go through a coaching certification? <laughs> okay, tell me more. So I did I took a summer to like do extensive research after um and actually this was the summer after I completed. So I completed in um April of um 2017 and I went through and kind of you know tried to figure things out and then actually that following summer of 2018 I tried to figure it out okay I think I want to do this. I'm thinking I'm exploring. So I was exploring, going through, having conversations. And in 2019 is when I enrolled in a a coaching program and to be a certified coach. And I specifically enrolled in a program that had academic coaching.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, I'm curious, what were conversations with your advisors or your committee members like about your career prospects?
1: So one of the things that was really great is I had a supportive um, chair and advisor. Um, The program that I was enrolled in is specifically geared for working professionals. So people who are already practitioners in the field, they necessarily were not looking to say, all right, you're going to be a full-time faculty member and um, this is your um, tenure track. They didn't necessarily have that as their goal specifically. So when I went, get, got into the program or came into the program, they already knew that we're building practitioners in the field. So I didn't have to like hide and say, well, <clears throat> actually I don't want to be tenured." So, because I know that that is like at research okay. one institutions that happens, but since mm-hmm. I was at a teaching school, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that they didn't expect from me. So they were already okay and on board with my idea of working as a practitioner. Okay, that's
0: good. So you enroll in the coaching program. Mm-hmm. What next once you finish?
1: So after that, you know, I went into the coaching program. And just to let you know, I went in to actually work with working mothers because at the time, you know, I was in that area of okay, I'm I'm finishing or doing this this PhD program. I have young children. At the time, um my kids were one and two when I started the program. Um, So trying to go through and with very, very young children, it was times that I had to take them to class. Yes. At that time, a two and a three-year-old in a class in uh, quantitative research. (laughs) So that was interesting. My professor was awesome. He was like, oh, I love children. My, you know, bring them, have them here. That's okay. And that's just to let you know how supportive the program I was in and they were just very, very open to that. So awesome. going through and having young children and trying to work, I was working full time as well. That was really challenging. So I was thinking maybe I could coach women who are working moms, right? So working moms, trying to transition and, and work and, and do all of the things that, you know, moms end up doing mm-hmm. in addition to, advancing their careers. And that ended up changing and shifting, um, I will say, because I found, like, actually, I have been a, I'm a working mother, right? But also, I was going through this doctoral program and having conversations with um, PhD-level students or doctoral students that were working professionally. They were having a hard time. And I said, you know, Mm. I've actually gone through and mastered that. (laughs) It was rough, but I mastered it. Let me I think this is where I need to be because I already I was working with students in general um, within my roles. I worked as an academic advisor. I worked as a assistant director and uh, working with students and advising them, coaching them and through that space. Also, I was a wellness coach on, on campus, too. So those were kind of the things that I was doing already that that was a part of my um, my gift, right? Like, I mm-hmm. felt like I just was really skilled at that and really good at it. So I said, let me try to figure out a business that helps doctoral students in a way.
0: Right. And you know what's interesting? I think you might be the first parent that we've had come onto the uh, show oh. or the podcast where okay. they were raising children while mm-hmm. going through their doctoral program. Kind of tell me a bit about how you were able to manage that. Cause you have these two young babies yep. and the demands of a doctoral program. What was that like for you?
1: It was extremely stressful <laughs> to be honest. Um, I had a extremely, I have a an extremely supportive partner. My mm. husband is the best. I actually had a conversation with him before I started, Mm -hmm. um the program just so he could know and understand the demands of it he of course he said you know do do what you need to do of course if that's something that you want to do i got your back just let me know what i need to do just tell me what i need to do that's like his phrase like what you need me to do okay Mm -hmm. so that was one thing that was really really key and important is having a supportive partner another thing that i ended up doing is I had like a community and a, that was so supportive. And I'm saying like, I got together with um, family members. I had um, former uh, actual students of mine who like, can y'all get together and help me take care of these kids. So watch the kids while I go to class. So I had like a groups of people like coming in and helping with that. So I can go to class while and watching the kids too. So a supportive community was extremely important through the process. And that's what i really talked to a lot of my um, clients about is as you decide to go through this process, or as you're in this process, you need a supportive community Mm -hmm. of people that can help you kind of, just navigate the space in general. So that was like the physical, like, okay, can you help me with the kids? Then I had the emotional and the mental side of things kind of going through and in the process as well. So uh, I had friends that had already completed a, a PhD or doctoral program that I used as a support system. Some that were going through the same program as well, or a different program at a different institution. Mm -hmm. I talked to them about different things because I just needed that support. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I did have a therapist too. So that was something that I Mm -hmm. had going through and having these conversations because you just need all of it. So I had all, I had like this warm, heated blanket that was just Mm -hmm. around me, right? That, and it was stressful, absolutely. But it was I had so much support from different friends and family members and um, that they were just rooting me on the along the way. My husband just rooted me on. So it was just really, really great. So that's kind of what it was like. I mean, it was extremely stressful, as I stated, but I made sure I had the people in place to help me through the process.
0: And yeah, they always say it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a village to support a Ph.D. student. <laughs> yeah, no one really understands. Like you can have the like my mom was and my parents really were just completely supportive through the program. But they had no idea what I was going right. through. The experiences when I said I had to do homework or write a paper, they're thinking. Mm-hmm the concept of writing a paper has changed drastically from like undergrad to my master's program. So they offered the support that they could, but it's great that you right. were able to still build community with people, whether it was within your right. cohort or just people that had the experience of pursuing a doctorate. Um, so once you get into, you know, the your certification program, you decide you want to focus on working parents,
1: what next for you? So, what was next was trying to, and I still was working, right? So I worked full time at the time as well, but trying to figure out what my niche was. So, okay, you want to work with doctoral students. Um, what does that mean? And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So I, I did go through a few um, processes where I tried to figure out that space, but I ended up, you know saying all right this is where i wanted wanted to do and so my business in in terms of opening the the coaching and consulting business um i wanted to make sure that i was going to i was able to serve the the right group that was for me so my kind of my my pop person or my perfect client mm-hmm. so i ended up Thinking about people who worked full time, like who were professionals, working professionals going through a doctoral program. So that's kind of what I thought about, like that would be my niche. But, you know, I've been able to work with students that are full time um, Ph.D. students or doctoral students as well. That so they're going to their into their programs full time, but because they need the support as well. So that process um, took a while. You know, I did do a few. Um, coaching programs in terms of business coaching programs, trying to figure out where I, I needed to land in my business and in the type of pieces that I needed to put together. So I did um, invest in that too. And where I've landed is just being able to work with um, doctoral students that are in, in women of color. And that's another thing I wanted to help women of color professionals that were going through the program. So, you know, I, I help students of color, kind of navigate that doctoral process and to obtain the support that they deserve, right? As they're going through the top, the doctoral program. So that's kind of kind of the things that I said, that's what I want to do. That's it right there.
0: Now, I recall extreme poverty when I was in my program.
1: Like mm-hmm. my stipend was mm-hmm.
0: not what it needed to be. I was grateful for it, but it was not what it needed to be. How are students able to support or finance your program where in a way that it's beneficial to them, but they're still able to get the, it's not adding like additional financial stress. And I don't,
1: yeah, I'm just curious about that. Sure. So I've worked with a lot of students that are working professional. So they work professionally, you know, so they're still working. So there's, they do have some income. Mm -hmm. Um, And the students that I've worked with that are full time in their programs, I, I have understood that they are fully, like financed and supported students and they have so much i don't want to say they have a lot of disposable income, but they've had experiences where they were able to finance the 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 support and the coaching from me so um those are the type of students that I've usually been been able to to work with in that process I know and that's what I was thinking about as I was going through mm-hmm. and developing my coaching program in general I'm thinking like they can't afford me a PhD. So we were like, maybe broke. Like, how can you actually afford the work that I'm doing? So I was thinking like, all right, I know that usually the challenges that people have are time management. So I'm thinking about working professionals. Mm -hmm. So time management, how can I fit all of this in when I work full time and trying to figure out this program and write this paper? And yet I got to do this research thing. So that's what I was targeting, but I've still been able to, I work with students that are in programs uh, full time as well, and they've just been able to pay for it, which has been great. And I think that they just really have a supportive um, program. That's usually what I've heard from them. OK.
0: Now, yeah. tell me what's been maybe the most impactful moment you've had since because you've jumped into not just coaching, but entrepreneurship, which is, yeah. you know, that's a different beast. So what's been tell me about those moments?
1: <sighs> um. I'm still learning to be honest. This is, I mean, I started my coaching business in 2019, so I'm still growing and learning. Um, I'm still, I do still do work full time, right? So this has kind of been my side thing um, at, at, in some capacities, but I've definitely been able to see what it is like to help somebody through this process or for them to just have somebody to talk to that they understand what they're going through. That's what's really been really impactful for me is having the opportunity to still support those that people kind of just think that, oh, you got it. Are you already in this? Like you, you a doctoral program. Of course you got your life together or you know, you're able to handle it. So, but that's not always the case. Yes, they're they're high achievers, right? Mm-hmm. We already know that people who are, who are going through doctoral programs or have actually finished are high achievers. But yes, we need the support too, right? So that's something that has been really impactful to see. All right, I know that you're this high achiever, but let's talk about how some of the things that you need to support yourself or just revelations in terms of all right, this is the research that um, you're doing, and let's try to figure out how to communicate to your faculty member or to your advisor that this is the route that you want to go, right? So that's just been really impactful um, going through the process.
0: So what are some different ways that you offer support to doctoral students? So what types of activities are you able to kind of give the extra boost of support and confidence
1: with? Sure, so I one of the things that I really start off with is I like to start off with having conversations about the why. So why are you doing this, right? Because that's, and what are the things that you're looking to do? So that's a process that I kind of take my clients through is talking about the why, because I want them to be able to articulate and understand this is what it is. And so when you're talking to the family members or the friend and it's like, why you've been in school forever. Why are you doing this again? <laughs> and then it I gets annoying. Know. and then you, You're like, right. And you don't know. You're like, you know what? I, I don't like, cause, cause you always complaining about this. So what are you trying to do? <laughs> right. So that's something that I take them through and try to have those conversations of what is the end goal? What are we looking to do? And that could change, right? When you start, you know, in the beginning and then maybe four or five, six years later, that can change, right? Which is beautiful. But I always love to have them come out to think about, well, why did I actually start this program? What am I looking for? Another thing that I process is your learning style. Your learning style mm. is, is something that you need to understand. I know that I am not a person that is able to learn specifically if it if it's around not being able to touch or not being able to um, you know have a more hands-on approach i am a visual learner right so i go through and i try to figure out i need to see i need to touch i need to Mm -hmm. feel so visual auditory those are the things that i need to do and understand to learn the materials better so i'll take them through that Uh, we i also have a wonderful kind of just activity to talk about like the wellness, like there's a wellness wheel that, you know, we have. So let's talk about your wellness as as it relates to your emotional wellness, your financial wellness, your environmental. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. like the birds and the trees and outside, but your space around you in your house, right? So I talk to them about that as well, if that's something that we can kind of assess where they are to see, all right, so... The emotional wellness here needs to, We might want to bring this up a little bit. And I, you know, maybe you might want to seek out someone professionally to kind mm-hmm. of help you through this process um, because it's it's something that is very, it can be helpful for you. Yeah. So those are some of the activities, learning of, you know, am I a morning person or an, a night owl? You know, so if you're sitting up there trying to read a chapter and you know you're not a night owl, you're not retaining anything, right? So let's try maybe waking up early in the morning right, will help Mm -hmm. when you're trying to process and read things. Or maybe that's when you do your best writing in the morning. I am not a writing, a morning writer. Mm -hmm. I found that out through the process myself. Like, I'm not waking up at five o'clock in the morning to write. My brain is still like, who am I? What's going on? So, you know, so trying to figure out that those are some of the activities that I take people through to my clients through.
0: Right, and that's so interesting because I'll admit I've always had this aversion to people that like the academic coaches because I'm like I've always seen them like on Twitter, they' having like these really intense debates about like, oh, you don't need an academic coach, you just need to have a great advisor and I kind of took that perspective, but then hearing you talk about it, I was like, you know, there's a lot that having someone that can just kind of take a step back and show you yourself because. When you mention the piece about wellness, my house looks like whatever I'm going through in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you walk yeah. in my house, you know exactly what's happening, you know exactly on the scale of she's doing great to somebody get some help. But my <laughs> house is a reflection of that. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, I never even thought to look at and even outside this, even in all the moments where I was online Googling tips for PhD students. I never once came across something that I felt that was helpful that helped me to come up with right. a structure and a plan. And it seems like right. what you're doing is that you're able to give people that structure and help them mm-hmm. to figure out what's the best way for them to do the doctorate. Because yes. a lot of times and I wasn't really into social media influencers that were doctoral students. Like I, I've now come to know that that's a thing now where people share mm-hmm. their tips online. Mm-hmm. I knew that was a thing until recently, but. I think that it's important to have your own custom plan because it works for one person, doesn't work for everybody. And I can see how that would be valuable. So you know that you're not you feel like you're not losing your mind trying to figure out why things aren't working for
1: you because you have a different set
0: of needs.
1: Right. Right. And as as I stated, like I had friends that were was going through the program Mm -hmm. or going through um, or had completed and the things that work for them did not work for me Mm. specifically. I remember, and you know, my advisor was great. Like I had a really supportive chair and advisor and she said, well, why don't you get up early? I used to get, I got up early in the morning. That's where I got my writing done. I said, you know what? That doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I work with my clients to talk about, all right, tell me when you are, you're at your best. When you're like, you know what, I can do this. Yes, I'm feeling it. I'm grooving. What time is that? Mm. What time of day is that? You know, so those are the things that we kind of work through and we have conversations about. I said, when you sit down and write, what's in front of you? Like, what's around? What's around you? Right. So, because if you see things that clutter, sometimes that doesn't work. Do you feel better when you go out? Do you want to go to, you know, a coffee shop or something Mm -hmm. like that? That people have, we have those conversations and just to give them a sense of, well, that's where, if, when you need to get that writing done, you, you said that I like going to a quiet space. The library works for me. I go there and I knock it out in three to four hours. And from between one and, you know, one and four o'clock, that's when I'm most alert. That's your writing time. That's your sweet spot. Hit it. Okay.
0: Okay. I love that. So what's next for you what's what's your goal tell me more about just the future for dr turner
1: yes yes so what's next is i am hoping that of course i can beef up and ramp up my business in the space um in a way in a place that i can really um work with them on more on a more full-time basis but um I am open, right? I'm open to whatever comes to me. You know, I am really excited about the opportunity to continue to support uh, doctoral students uh, Mm -hmm. as they're going through this educational journey. So if there's anybody that is interested and able to, um, you know, invest in a coach Mm -hmm. i am here and i'm available uh to to help you through that process so that's kind of you know what's next i'm still going to keep working and and see if i can do this as as i stated as i want to do this as a on a full-time basis but that's that's what i'm thinking is is next at this point
0: that's awesome now how can people get in contact with you
1: Yes, yes. So I do, they can contact me through my website, uh, www.essence, the four success.com. I'm also on Instagram as well, Essence for Success. Um, is my handle for uh, for Instagram as well. So you can definitely contact me there. But my website is where people can really find um, more information. I have some free um, downloads that you can, can okay. u- utilize as well on the website. So just to have some things to kind of help through the process. So that is really um, something that I'm interested in continuing to do and yeah. helping people that way. So Thankfully,
0: Dr. Marianne has messaged me because I completely forgot about one of our segments, which is the mentorship moment. So okay. <laughs> mentorship <laughs> moment where we just, you know, thinking back to when you first entered your doctoral program, what advice mm-hmm. would you give yourself? Hmm.
1: The advice I would probably give myself is... it's okay to create your own timeline and your own mm-hmm. space. Um, I think that, you know, you don't know what you're going, like when you enter in the program, you don't know really what to expect, mm-hmm. but I do definitely feel I had a picture in my mind that it would be a certain way And it really wasn't quite that way, right? So you can, you define your own success, right? So these are the things that I'm I'm thinking in my mind as I would tell Mm -hmm. myself, like, you define your own success. You define your own happiness. You do what's best for you. And I definitely figured that out. I want to say near the end of the process, I want to say, like, I figured that out. And also knowing who you are, like, knowing what Mm -hmm. you want to do. I think people love to tell you what they feel you should do or what you're good at and like you should keep doing that. I have a lot of experience of people doing that for me. Like, oh, Makita, you're really good at, you know, working with so-and-so and, you know, this group of people. Like, you know, it's just my personality. Like, mm-hmm. I get along with just about <laughs> anybody. I could, you know, I'm down to earth, so that helps. <laughs> so oh people God. feel connected. So, um, but I don't know if I want to do this right, like mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do academic advising for the rest of my life and fighting with kids in terms of what they need to take to graduate from college. Like that's yeah. that's it, right? Like I I was trying to figure out myself. So I would say that's what I would say to to myself. Just like it's it's all about you and what you are looking to experience and your own success.
0: Yeah. I think it's also important, too. And we've had this come up in other conversations. So one of our favorite quotes is to create your own definition of success. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Amir, in our season one, he talks about finding your bliss and being okay with that. Mm. And I think that so much life happens while you're in the doctoral program, because like you said, it it takes forever to do it, whether it's four years, seven. A lot happens during that time. And so you become a different version of yourself where Mm -hmm. your goals evolve, your dreams evolve. So being able to check in with yourself periodically helps you to know, okay, am I still on track? Is this something that I even want to do and being okay with taking a different direction? Because everyone's path is different. We're not all meant to do the exact same thing. And that's boring. I remember telling a friend of mine as I was kind of making my transition out of my doctoral program and I was working on a, like some consulting projects and I just said, I didn't work that hard to have to work this hard. Like the heart mm-hmm. has to let up. And just knowing that I, I had a new and different way that I wanted to work. I didn't right. want to, you know, be on the grind. I wanted not to say that I'm lazy, but I want, who wants to work hard all the time? Like I want the, right. the return on the investment in this, this doctoral program or degree should be increased income and then a better mm-hmm. quality of life. And right. to work hard or to struggle to just do the work. Now, some people love it. I don't love that. I want to be able to have right. a balance in my life. And I'm Absolutely. also glad that we're having conversations about money and finances because, you know, mm-hmm. there's a certain school of thought where they like, you know, it's not all about money. But there's a pastor, Pastor Darius Daniels. He says that money isn't everything, but it affects everything that's important. Yep. And I was <laughs> just like, perfect you're right. You are absolutely right. And so you have to have these conversations because you can stay in this like abstract theoretical plane of what life should be like as a PhD and the impact you're supposed to have out in the world. But if you can't pay your power, if you can't pay your mortgage, then what are we doing? Like we, right. You know, so I think that that's something that you have to be open and honest with yourself about, you know, what do I want you know, I got this for, you know, partly because I do love the work, but also I want to have a better financial experience. I want to have a better quality exactly. of life and being OK with having that conversation out loud and not being ashamed to do that.
1: Yes, exactly. And and one of the things I think about, I think for those that are pursuing their doctoral degrees and their Ph.D.s to be tenured faculty members, mm-hmm. I feel like they and they you they scare you in the process where mm. it's like almost where it's impossible for you to be successful and feel good going through that process, right? So that's something that I've always thought like I never wanted to be a tenure faculty member because mm. everybody who has gone through that process says it was the worst experience, like you know, they talk about it as if it was the worst experience ever and it's extremely hard and Yes. Once you, you know, you finish the degree, then you have to go through and all these milestones and it's super stressful. Like that is something that always terrified me. So it never makes you feel great to even think about that as a path. Right. And I wish that wasn't the case. I really, really do. And I know it's, it is true that some institutions do take you through a lot of hoops, yeah. uh, particularly women of color or people of yeah. color as well, because that is honest and we have to be honest yeah. about that. Um, the experiences of people of color going through those, those processes. So, you know, I really wish that wasn't the case, but yeah. I am hoping and that that could change one day, right? where. are We can definitely have more faculty of color that are supported and also our students can experience faculty of color, people that look like them.
0: Right. And that's so interesting, too, because um, our first interview this season was Dr. Matthew Hale, white guy. And he talked about how he experienced academic bullying. And I'm Um, just thinking he's a double Ph.D. He checks all the boxes in terms of the the identities that society tends to uphold, support. Sure. And when he mentioned that he experienced academic bullying, I realized that it could it could happen to anyone. And I think that and I've I've heard horror stories. We had um, another uh, person on the on the podcast talk about their experiences as they were defending their dissertation and how entrepreneurship was really the only path that they could take because of what they experienced and how they still weighed on them heavily from the emotional bullying, just social, all these different things. So I think that for people who have had a hard time working within academia or they're trying to find the right institution, it may be worthwhile to, you know, and I my, I'm a proponent for do whatever you want to do. If if mm-hmm. tenure life is what you want, go for it. But sure. if you're noticing that it's not working for you in the way that you want it to, you know, it seems like entrepreneurship gives you the path or the opportunity to create the type of experience that you want. So you don't have to have feel to yourself from all the chaos that comes along or that can come along with staying in academia.
1: Absolutely. That's unfortunate that, that he went through that, but it lets you know that the toxicity that's, that happens in the academy. Right. And it really is something that should be addressed um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people do experience it. And it's unfortunate that, that he had to experience that, but it's, it's, I feel like some it's like ten times worse for people of color, right? So yeah. Oh, yeah. it's too bad.
0: And it even happens at all levels. One of our interviews, which will be coming out, I think it'll already be out by the time this interview is posted. She was a department mm-hmm. chair. Like she oh. made she was tenured department chair and she still had mm-hmm. to experience um, mm-hmm. you know, and it happened at an institution where everyone looked like her. So, you oh, know, it's just so, you know, there's a lot that can be said for not being blinded by the ideal view of academia and just kind of working within the reality of, you know, this is what's happening in my environment. And knowing that you don't have to take it, you have other avenues. And I think that the PhD is one of the most flexible degrees that you can have. You know, Mm -hmm. there's the subject matter expertise that you have, but then there's also just a tangible skill set that you can operate in many, many different lanes. It's just about being able to, recognize that step in and own it and walk in it confidently um because you right. you don't do all of this work to just be miserable while you're at work
1: right who wants right. that who wants to do all that time and energy money if you paid for it um mm-hmm. out of your own pocket right like i paid for it out of my own pocket so all of this money Ooh. and i can't even work within the the area that I am interested in working in or doing the things that I am interested in doing. So um it's unfortunate. Yeah. It is just unfortunate.
0: Well I want to leave this on a high note. So Yes.
1: <laughs> okay, what does
0: your sweatshirt say? So I see terminally something. Termally, terminally degree. degree. Yes. Yay. I love it. I love it. That's the one thing I love, even just some of the swag that's kind of come out of like I have a brand called the Ratchet Scholar. So I have like a little Martin inspired scholar shirt and I had a shirt uh, every day I'm dissertating. So I just I love how people are finding a way to express themselves in these spaces, Mm -hmm. but still honor, you know, honor the scholar
1: within. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such an insightful conversation. We're going to include all of your links in the show notes so everyone can check you out. Make sure you head over to our website. She mentions free downloads and definitely take advantage of that. And thank you to everyone for watching. So make sure that you subscribe and share this video with a PhD that you love.